Okay, so this is completely unscripted and just kind of going to be a random ramble. Um, basically, um, I'm going to tell you guys a story. This story is going to be um, literally um, probably the craziest ride. Um, I'm going to try to get the mic so that it's not all quiet. Um, but basically, yeah, so to start off, I'm going to preface with like a thousand trigger warnings. So we're going to talk about mental health. We're going to talk about trauma and triggers and, um, gosh, so many things, uh, suicide, addiction, overdose, God, so many things, um, I am doing this podcast in my car, um, in my driveway because of the nature of everything that I want to talk about. Um, so basically proceed with caution. Um, yeah. So I, like I said, I am sitting in my driveway and I am looking at my neighbor's house and it is the hardest thing and I do it every day um I had to make sure that the family wasn't here cleaning out the house um because I didn't want um obviously sometimes when you're talking in the car it echoes and people can hear and I wanted to make sure that I wasn't going to trigger them or upset them um because obviously it's just a very hard time um for them but I wanted to share kind of the story um, of what happened, um, because I've basically, uh, I've been on the inside for most, and then watched from the sidelines at the end, um, and so, um, I moved in with my husband, like, six years ago, um, like, May of 2015, or no, I met him in May of 2015, um, we started dating in August and I moved in, in like October, November. And, you know, right from the beginning, um, we knew something was kind of off, um, or, you know, not usual. Um, there was a lot of vehicles coming in and out, um, but there was never any parties. You never really seen people, um, like, we had neighbors across the road who were very, like, active, and, you know, you see them all the time, and they're coming in and out, and they're constantly having parties, and loud and stuff, and they were, like, people our age and whatever, so, um, you know, when you did see these neighbors, they would wave, and they seem happy and whatever, but it, there was just this weird, I don't know, this weird aura, or feeling of the environment around the house, and, you know, I just knew something was up. And, but, you know, it's none of our business, not your own business. And as time goes on and I get pregnant, um, you know, I start seeing them more. Um, my husband knows who they are because he, like, he, he had bought the house and, like, just before we met. So, you know, he had my, more time to meet them and stuff. And so he had more talked to the husband um, and stuff. So he knew who the husband was and everything else. And 
Um, so anyway, yeah, so we started seeing them and I was pregnant. And so, you know, the wife would bring over, um, things like crackers and books and, uh, baby items and stuff like that. Um, and she just like really grown. It seemed like she wanted to make friends and I was really excited. This was our first baby and I didn't really know anybody. And it was really nice to just have somebody like right there who's willing to help and whatever. And so, you know, um, after we had the baby, you know, they invited us over a lot and we'd go over after the kids were in bed and, um, you know, we'd sit with them, we'd have a drink with them, we'd just talk and, you know, normal adult stuff, hang out. And, um, she became a very, very good friend of mine. Um, and as our children grow, they grew together and they played together. Um, and it was just like, became this really like co-parent situation um you know late at night uh my daughter wouldn't be sleeping and she'd be crying and I'd be frustrated and I'd text her and be like like what do I do and she'd come over and she'd help me or like I needed to run to the store and she was sleeping she'd come over and watch her while I ran to the store and you know I would do the same and um kind of as time goes on again just things weren't right and I was like hmm and she started talking about issues she was having with other people in the neighborhood and, you know, things like that. And I was just like, I don't understand why she's having issues. Like, she's such a nice person and, like, um, you know, but she just, she just constantly seemed off. And I was like, okay, like, whatever. And that, you know, time goes on more and more and she's starting to call me over and she's suddenly needing to go out, but the, the car's not working or whatever. And so she's taking a cab and then she'd come back, and she'd be all out of sorts, and I was like, hmm, like, and she'd be gone for a long time, she'd tell me she'd, like, run into the pharmacy or something, and then, um, she'd be gone for, like, two hours, and, like, the pharmacy is literally in walking distance, um, and, you know, I would, you know, not my business, I'm here, the children are safe, we're good, kids are playing together, a great time, it's all fine, and, and the kids seem completely like unbothered by this and that was probably the biggest thing was like like this is normal and um so whatever you know we carry on and I just really tried to support her she just seemed upset and I knew there was stuff going on at this point um the husband and wife had separated and so you know I just figured she was going through a separation she was upset um maybe not feeling great and so whatever and then um the ambulances started showing up and you know um she was passing out a lot and I wasn't quite sure what's going on and I put it to like a health issue um but like drugs were always in the back of my mind like right from the beginning and you know I just kept pushing that thought away she didn't seem like that person like she didn't seem constantly out of sorts or you know really jittery or like off in that way she was always like this really nice person who seemed very family devoted and um like just there for her children and whatever um the only thing she really did was like she'd occasionally go out for a smoke and even then like like I said we never seen these people like she was with the kids like they were never outside if the kids were outside she was outside she was never smoking around the kids or anything like that um and then you know I knew she had some drinks at night but never anything, you know, whatever. And then as I continued to get to know her more, I figured out that, you know, she had a breathalyzer in her vehicle and things like that because, 
you know, she, you know, had got caught drinking and driving, and, but you know what, shit happens, like, it, I mean, it, again, it rang bells, but never anything huge, and, um, you know, the more I was getting called over, the more she was taking longer to come back, the more she was coming back more and more out of sorts, and this is kind of when I was like, okay, like, what the fuck is going on, um, but again, like, I just wanted to support her and be there for her as a friend. Like, I'm not judgmental. I don't care what you're doing. I just want you to be okay. And, um, so one night, um, she called me over and she was gone for a really long time and she came back and she was trying to cook dinner and she just, you could tell that she was not okay. And I was like, whatever and then I stayed with her for most of the night and then at some point my husband had to go to work and I had to go back over to the house but you know she had food on the table for the kids the kids were okay that we were gonna go to bed she ensured me that she was fine and then you know it was all good so I went back over to my house and you know I touched base she was fine kids were fine kids were in bed it was all good um But yeah, like, a lot of weird stuff happened while I was there. Like, she had a phone call with her mother, and they were, like, cussing each other out. And it was just, it was just a weird situation. It's probably the weirdest thing that I've ever experienced while over there. And so then in the morning, um, I'm sleeping. My kids, well, my daughter at the time, because I didn't have Elliot, um was still sleeping my husband was in the kitchen in his underwear like he does um cooking breakfast whatever getting things ready and um she just like comes in the back door like doesn't knock nothing I just hear the back door slide open my husband goes like hello and I thought that maybe because he listens to podcasts all the time and that like you know he always has the volume turned up so I thought maybe it was just podcast or whatever I was like half asleep so I wasn't really paying attention and I just hear this conversation and then at some point I clued in who was the voice and I was like who the hell are you talking to okay well maybe he's on the phone and then he calls me and tells me that breakfast is ready and like this was my first thing okay no like somebody's here and things aren't okay so I come out and she's like demanding that we blow in her breathalyzer like demanding that we help her start her car and I'm like Um, like, I knew they had had issues with the vehicle, um, like, legitimate issues, not just, like, excuse issues, uh, with the vehicle, um, and so I was like, okay, like, whatever, um, like, like, it's not gonna work from back here, like, I was just making up every excuse I could to get her out of the house and get her outside where I could talk to her, and I got her outside, and we got in the front yard, and she's, like, demanding and, like, getting angry and kind of aggressive tone, aggressive stance that, like, I blow in this breathalyzer. So, I'm like, okay, like, whatever. Um, like, I don't think I can do this. And then I was like, I drank last night, too. Because that's what she was telling me. That, you know, she didn't think it was working. Maybe it wasn't working because she had a drink last night. And, like, maybe it was picking up on that. And I'm like, hmm, I don't know. So, I'm, like, blowing in it half-assedly. And I'm like, like, it's not working. Um... And I'm like, maybe it's broken. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, like, let's call this quits. I'm like, why don't I just take you wherever you need to go? And she's like, okay. 
and she goes inside and she grabs her purse and then she comes back and she's like actually you know what never mind like I'm okay and I'm like okay but then I'm sitting here and I'm thinking because she had one child that wasn't school age and I'm like where is said child and she's like oh they're at my mom's and like I said the night before I was literally there while she cussed out her mom on the phone and her mom told her she was a bad parent and she told her mom her she was a bad parent and oh my god it was a mess and I was like okay like what the fuck (laughs) so you're telling me that you told me last night you were never speaking to your mom again and now suddenly your child in like the and I mean it wasn't even 12 hours like wasn't even 12 hours like you're telling me in like just overnight your child suddenly magically teleported to your mother's um child was at her mother's I will clarify that before I like go any further because she was safe but I was like hmm what the fuck okay so I go back over to the house and I'm really bothered by this and the more I sit there and think about it I'm like like okay this like this isn't okay like something is going on over there and so I went on to one of the groups that I knew that like nobody who knew me or her was on and I was like hey listen like this just happened what are your thoughts on this and like every comment was you need to call like the child protective services you need to call child services like dude like no you needed to call like 10 minutes ago you needed to call like a half an hour ago you needed to call when this happened and I was like "Mm." and I sat on it for a little bit and I'm like you know what yeah like I don't know what's going on but she needs help and so I called them and that's literally what I said. I'm like, the children are happy. They are healthy. They are well cared for, but she is not okay. And, you know, I'm sitting there now I'm talking to this lady and I'm like, listen, like the kids are okay. Like this really isn't a child issue, but like it kind of is. And like, I talked to some people and they told me to call so here I am and I mean like you can do what you want with this but this was weird and I guess the police showed up at her house but I was not home like I was dealing with stuff with my daughter and I was like yeah so I was like oh okay whatever um you know um, sorry, just feel like I'm being stared at. Um, <laughs> this is the thing, I have issues talking about this because I feel like it's not my story to tell, but at the same time, like, I need to get this off my chest. Um, the house, looking at the house gives me weird vibes now. Um, like, I'm very spiritually sensitive, and I know that she's been here. Um, and I feel compelled to tell it, but then at the same time, I don't feel like everybody else will be understanding if anybody hears me telling this story anyway so yeah so the police show up and they wanted to confirm that I didn't start the car because she had was able to start the car later on her own and drove around um which I didn't I didn't start the car and things like that um and I guess the child protective services did investigate at some point but that was that um the day after that um or so the day after I called I did take her to a couple appointments and stuff and I did was very open and honest with her like you need help and I have called to get you some help like I have services through child protective services um they have like a side branch for like behavioral and things like that and just like family help 
Um, and I like did a self-referral, um, a long time ago to like help with lawyers, um, behaviors and stuff. Um, but yeah, so I, you know, explained to her that like I have services and they're good and they're going to help you like, just like, I'm sorry. Like, I know that that probably hurts, but you know, I had to like, you were not okay. And you know, she was upset, but she seemed understanding and you know, it was bygones, be bygones. I knew it was the end of our friendship, but it was whatever. And she, like, conf- uh, I think I drove her to the store that day. And then the day after that, I drove her to a couple other appointments. And um, that was basically the last time we talked. Um, and which was fine. I expected it. And I respected her decision. And I was here and open and ready if she ever needed anything. And I think she really knew that. Um, but obviously she was bitter. And like I said, I totally understand, um, if somebody did that to me, despite the fact that I needed it, you know, I would be really upset. And I like totally understood that and like respected and, you know, it is what it is. And, um, so that kind of started me watching from the sidelines and, you know, more ambulances and police cars showed up and it was really hard day after day watching, like, it was honestly like a weekly thing. Um, and then, um, she got a new spouse and kind of the police and ambulances stopped showing up. I stopped kind of seeing them out and about. Um, if I did, you know, things seemed okay, she seemed stable, and, you know, I'd see the kids at the park, the man sounded nice, you know, I talked to him a little bit, um, talked to the kids, and, um, it was a good situation, I was happy for her, she seemed to be doing okay, and, and then time went on, and I, I heard some fighting over there, and, um, (laughs) Some really weird drunken banter, um, from just, like, random situations, uh, normal stuff, not anything that was super concerning, and then, um, you know, the ambulances started showing up again, and the police cars started showing up again, and it literally was at least a weekly thing again, and it just didn't get better, and I stood there, and I was like, thinking to myself, like, do I make another call? Do I call again? Like, this isn't okay. Like, she's not okay. And I don't know what to do. And I was just sitting there and I was like, no, like, if the police are there that much, if the ambulance is there that much, like, this is all on record. There's nothing more I can do. Like, mind your own business. There's nothing more you can do. Um, and, you know, things continued on, and at some point the girl, or the children, sorry, I'm trying to remain as, like, anonymous as, like, and respectfully private with this as I can, um, so, yeah, anyway, um, so, yeah, so the kids got taken away, um, and that eased my anxiety a little bit, because obviously the children are first priority, but then I stopped seeing her all together um and I'd occasionally see like they were sneaking in through the windows and the back doors it was just freaking weird shit um then my husband said he's seen her working at a local store and I was like okay this is good like she's got a job maybe she's cleaning up herself to get her kids back like this is great like 
it sucks that all of this had to happen for her to get help, but she's getting help is kind of where my, my mind went with that. And, you know, things carried on and then just the police cars and like a couple more times. And then about a month ago, like it's been at least a couple weeks, but probably about a month ago now, there was like six police cars outside of our house and, um, not really sure what happened. Um, the, all the dogs in the neighborhood were a mess. Our neighbor's dog, um, down the street who like never leaves the yard was like came bolting out of the back of like the other yard. Like the police officer spooked the poor thing. Um, the, like everybody was just off. Like the whole entire community feel was just off. And I knew what had happened, but I brushed it off because I was like, no, like you get so used when they're there every week or when things like that happen so frequently that you're, you just don't even think anymore. Like, like, uh, you know, whatever happens. Um, oh, you should backtrack a little bit. So a couple months ago, I had my son's meds delivered from an online pharmacy and they magically disappeared. Turns out that the pharmacy delivery people delivered them to their house and not ours. And that was a whole big deal. And, um, so I will touch back into how that relates anyway, but I just wanted to, to cover that anyway. Um, so yeah, so, so yeah, so the police asked me if I've seen them and I'm like, yeah, like I, or like seen her and I was like, they're there every night. Um, like I see, cause our daughter's window like literally is parallel to their, um, kitchen window and none of us have curtains. So like when I'm laying in the top bunk with my daughter, I can like literally just see into their house. Um, so I said to like, yeah, I see them every night, like whatever. Um, couldn't really remember if I seen them that night, but I was like, they're definitely there. Um, and so the police are trying to figure out how to get in the house and stuff like that. And then the police are there all day and then the family shows up and, um, you know, I figure it's just the usual that she's like passed out again and it's whatever. Um, or, you know, maybe they figured out cause I think what happened is that she like kicked her new man out and that her new man then like brought the police over to get his things. And then they decided to see each other and they probably had a restraining order because he was like constantly sneaking in, like I said. So I was like, Hmm, whatever. Like again, none of my business, you do you. Um, but yeah. And so I figured, you know, maybe she had went missing and they found out that, you know, he was with her and, or whatever. I don't know. And so my mind was just making up all these other scenarios and then I didn't hear anything. And finally the police leave and, you know, every, uh, oh, so yeah. So there was a kind of the biggest red, not red flag, but the kind of like, oh shit was like, the, the what we call the paddy wagon so the person transport um was sp- like parked literally out front of our house and so I mean that for us was like oh god she went crazy like they found her she's like all coked up or something and she like went out the police or something is kind of where my mind went with that um and but whatever. So we were like, okay, that's fine and dandy. And then 
didn't hear anything, didn't see anybody for like days. And so finally I reached out to a friend who I know has her on Facebook and I was like, dude, like, has she posted anything? Like, do you know anything? And she typed and then she stopped. And I was like, shit. Um, and then she replied back like, dude, I think she died. And I am shaking. Um, like full on chills. Um, and I was like, oh, like I knew, I knew from the day that I seen them there, but I just didn't like, I couldn't process that. Um, and I still couldn't, she said that to me and I was like, whatever. Um, and then she just started sending me screenshots of like all the condolence messages. And I was like, oh, okay, I guess she did, um, and then I was like, well, shit, like, what do I do now, so then I was like, okay, so I go searching through, like, the things, and then she sends me, like, one more, and she's like, I don't know who this is, she's like, they didn't seem on good terms, but, um, whatever, she's like, maybe this was a sister-in-law or something, and reading the messages, I figured out that it was her ex-husband's sister. And so I messaged her and was like, hey, like, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, I, I hope that, like, everybody is coping well kind of thing. Like, is there anything I can do to help? Um, and, like, through that conversation, she said that they sent the body for an autopsy. And that they were waiting to hear back whether it was suicide or overdose. And... Like, I just, I don't know, like, I just totally blocked it. Like, I just, I even now, I can't even process it. Like, I'm looking at the house and I'm like, no. Like, I'm not even telling you guys this story. Like, I'm not even saying these things. Um, and so I was like, okay. Like, whatever. And then the thoughts start. Like, okay, well, what more could I have done? Like, I've been here, like, right beside her the whole entire time. What more could I have done? Like, how did I not stop this? Like, there had to be something I didn't do. Like, I feel like I've done everything possible, but what didn't I do? And um, then it's like, did she take the meds that she got from my son? Like, did she take that package? Because I know it was delivered there. Like, they track everything. The delivery man knows he delivered it there. They're saying that they didn't ever receive it. So either somehow, some magically, someone stole the box from their porch. Like, and they have it. Or she had it and, you know, didn't know what it was. Like, it, it's not even a high-value drug. It was like Lasix. It's, it's a diuretic. It's not... Anything you want to take is, even as a druggie, you don't, it's, it's not, it's not going to make you high. It's not going to do anything. You're just going to go into like kidney liver failure and die. Like it's not anything that you want to take. And I so that I'm like, did she take it? Did she die? Because I didn't find enough to get my meds back. Like I called the delivery people and I called the online pharmacy and I'm like, listen, like she's um, not okay, and, you know, I think she has a history of drug abuse, and this package is at her house, and she's saying she doesn't have it, we can't get it back, the delivery guys came over and told me that she was very hostile, 
when he tried to question her about it and you know you need to get this this package back like do I call the police what do I do and they're like no 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 we'll handle it it's fine like don't worry about it and I'm like okay well like what if she dies like and I remember having this conversation about it and then now like I think back on every single thing that's happened um like even my husband said like when the police were here like maybe she finally finished herself off and the fact that we even joked and I don't mean joked like half-heartedly said these things like rips me apart like we were despite the fact that we were so aware and concerned for her well-being we still brushed off her mental health so excessively and to think that we did that and that that may have been the reason that we did not we were not able to help her to the full extent or to prevent this like I understand and and I've been told by a million people you cannot blame them themselves like there's probably nothing that anybody could have done at this point but what if and like it's just brutal I don't like just sitting here thinking about it and I just keep going over like over and over and over again in my head all of these things and then I'm mad at myself because I'm like like how dare you as somebody who's tried to commit suicide as somebody who's struggled with mental health how dare you brush off somebody else's mental struggles just because drug and alcohol were involved how dare you belittle somebody even if you didn't mean to somebody for struggling like regardless of the situation she was struggling she needed help and as much as you know again I really feel like you know I don't think there was anything else that I could do but to give it one shot or two shots and then to just give up and wait on the sidelines for the opportunity to arise like and then to you like use that time where you're sitting on the sidelines to kind of joke or brush off the situation that you knew was taking place like right in front of you like i am just like i am ashamed of myself i am upset um and I can't do anything but blame myself for at least part of what has happened. And I forget. Every day I wake up and I forget. And I walk into my house and I look at her house and I go, shit. And then I drive away. And I drive back past the house and then I go, shit. And there's days where it doesn't hit immediately until I see the family show up and they're cleaning out the house. And I'm like, shit. And it just, it's continuously like I forget I block it. I, I like make myself forget that she is no longer here and I continue on my life. Like somebody didn't just die right in front of me and I did nothing about it. And then I'm like, shit. (laughs) And it carries on and on and on and on and on and on and on. And, and I refuse to even grieve and I refuse to even acknowledge any part of like myself as somebody who should be sad because like I just I don't want to allow myself that like I think to myself like if there was a funeral like I would attend and then I'm like no you wouldn't like how dare you 
how dare you sit there and pretend like you are upset or that you, you know, you deserve to grieve because this is your fault. And like, I mean, it's ridiculous, but it's, it's how I feel. And I like, it's hard to look at the house. I dropped off a condolence card and I like stepped foot on her yard to take the condolence card to the door and I wanted to run away. Like the, the grief and the sorrow and the screams that come, like the sadness, the pain that comes from that house is ridiculous. And like, it is just like walking, like even just looking at the house, but walking foot on the property feels like somebody dumped a whole entire wheelbarrow of bricks on your back and you're expected to carry it. It was the hardest walk to the door. Like, and I mean, like the door is like 10 steps from my driveway and it was the hardest 10 steps that I have ever taken in my life to drop off a card. I could barely, could barely open the door. I didn't want to touch the door to open it. And I, and I touched the door and I just wanted to cry. Like even now I want to curl up in a ball. My chest is tight. I just, I want to scream. And like, I don't know what exactly happened and I won't dare ask for those autopsy reports. I will not ever be that person to ever dig at the family for information on like hows and whys because it doesn't matter and I refuse to put them through that but like I feel like she's always understood that I'm there and I don't think that she necessarily wants me because I keep being told like over and over again even just sitting here like this is not your fault and this is nothing that you could do. There is nothing that you could do. You did all you could do or like I don't feel like she's angry with me or that her presence is angry. Like when she first when I first found out that she passed away, I was scared to go in my daughter's room because I was afraid that like I was going to see something in the window or that she was going to see something in the window. But then you know, the, like, the curtains are shut and stuff, and, you know, the family's finally opened the curtains, and I'm not afraid to be in her room anymore, and I don't feel like what I'm feeling is negative. I feel like what I'm feeling is at peace, and that, you know, that she is comfortable, and that she is content. I feel grief and sorrow. I'm sure no one wants to leave their children and I am absolutely devastated for those children despite the trauma that they may have experienced while they lived there they loved their mother and you know they are heartbroken and just ripped apart no one no one deserves to like no one deserves to experience what those children have experienced and and i think that she she knows that and she she feels that but i think she's finally able to rest like when you are so done with the hand that life has dealt you it doesn't matter anymore and um it is really hard to get yourself out of that and you know i think you know, what was done needed to be done, but it was probably the final straw. Like, 
when everything is ripped away from you because you cannot get a hold of yourself like yourself is ripped away from you like obviously she's experienced something in her life that ripped away herself she was not able to regain control of herself and so then after losing herself she then lost everything else she lost her marriage she lost her children she lost friends and family and like I don't blame her for whatever it is she that she did. I don't blame her for struggling with drugs and alcohol. I don't blame her for being in the position that she was in. Because, like, I've been through shit. And I've been there. And I understand that it is a hard but comfortable place to be. Knowing that you at any point... Like, when you are in that state of mind you know that at any point you can pull the plug and that is comfortable knowing that you have the ability to just stop everything and it'll just be okay then is comfortable. You don't want to feel like that. You don't want to think about how you're going to kill yourself or how you're going to die or that you want to die or that that might be easier or better than where you are right now. But it's comfortable. It is comfortable to know that you have that option. It's also a control thing. Being able to control whether or not you live or die might be the only thing that you can or like the what feels like the only thing you can control right now in your life to drink to not to drink to take drugs not to drink to take drugs it might be the only thing that you have control over or feels like that and if that is where you are at it is really hard to come over that because that requires you letting go of that control that you now have. Losing the one thing that you have control over. Letting go of that. Having somebody else or having to make the decision for yourself that you are not going to have that option anymore. And then pushing forward away from that. But then having control over nothing else. <laughs> um, and it's going to be something that anybody who listens to this and hasn't been there won't understand. But it is, a, it is a thing and it is a feeling. And like I honestly do not even have the words to try to explain to people that thought process. And... The feelings and thoughts that go through your head when you're there. I always am the first person to say that suicide is selfish. But we are a selfish species. Selfish species. We are not made to be selfish, selfless. There are very few species that are selfless. Our biological preset is to reproduce and survive. We weed out the weak. So when you are the weak, often the weak will sacrifice themselves to protect their herd. 
in the society that we have built, we are trying to still be community animals, but we are not the same as we are biologically set to be. And so when we are so broken and so weak that we feel that we are hindering those around us or that things are too hard, our minds go to that preset of sacrifice to not slow other people down, to not burden people with the weight of your weakness, to not go through life being dragged behind by the rest of the herd. But that's not how it works anymore. And we have evolved into an emotional complex that is different. And we forget when you're in that state that there are other people who are going to be negatively affected by our decision to give up or our decision to sacrifice ourselves for the greater cause. And like, um, yeah, and, and just that we, for, we forget about those things. That's not what you're thinking about. You're not thinking about other like you're not thinking about other people's thoughts and feelings because you're in such a like a primal state um and it's i don't i don't really know how to explain it but yeah and like and i don't think it would really matter even if you explained to somebody like this is going to hurt people or this isn't going to make things better. This is going to make things worse. Because, like, you're just talking to a wall. Like, I remember sitting in the bathroom with my sweater tied around my neck and hearing my roommate and my, at the time, boyfriend banging on the bathroom door and her yelling at me and being angry I'm not saying that she didn't care but to this day I still don't think she did I just don't think she wanted to deal with the mess <laughs> um, and that's really where I was at I was like I am done I don't want to deal with this I am tired of being dragged around, but then also walked over. Because when you're that weak and people are dragging you around, they kind of feel like they own you. Or that they need to do everything for you or they need to protect you. And then suddenly you have no say. You have no... You have no you. You just become the product of what everybody else wants to create you into because they're trying to mold you back up but they're trying to mold you back up into what they feel that you should be and and I think that's one of the biggest things when people are trying to help and one of the biggest reasons why no matter how hard you try it's probably not going to work is because when you're building somebody back up you're building them up into 
your perception of them or what you feel that they can, should, would be. And that's not who they are. Like, we are comprised of so many different parts. And what you're getting is only a fraction. Depending on how close you are, it might be a bigger or smaller fraction. But it's still only a fraction of who we really are. So when you're trying to build somebody back up, you're only building up a fraction of them and cutting down basically the rest. The rest isn't good enough, which just really reinforces that concept of whatever you're not building up is just weighing down everybody else. People are... Everybody is comprised of good and bad. Everybody has their flaws. Everybody has their weaknesses. But they also have their strengths and their, like, their good qualities, strong attributes. Like, people are made up of good and bad. And I can't do air quotations on voice, but air quotations bad. (laughs) There's no bad. We're all, like, if everybody was all these pros, everybody would be perfect, and then it just wouldn't work. Like, nobody, nobody is perfect. Everybody has flaws and things that, you know, make them different and hard, maybe hard to deal with, or whatever it is. Like, I can't even explain without being negative. Like, they're not negative things. They're just part of what makes each individual person different. Like, Every species has personalities. Like, no two zebras are the same. Like, despite the fact that they all look the same and they all do basically the same things, they still have personalities. They're gonna, you know, get excited for different things. And, like, maybe this one likes jumping. Like, and it could be fractional different things, but maybe they like jumping this way and that way. And I don't know. (laughs) But, like... You can't, like, I don't know. Everybody is comprised of all these things, and all these things are what makes them them. And if you're not acknowledging and building up the flaws and the cons, as well as the pros and, like, the positive things, then you're just becoming more part of the problem than you are. The solution um which is really where it comes down to I don't know if anyone can help that person needs to realize for themselves that this is not where they want to be and they need to help themselves and that's just kind of what it comes down to if they don't want help then they don't want help And there's nothing else that you can do other than be there and just be like, hey, love you either way. Hey, like, you're doing the best you can do. And that's good enough. Like, even that, I don't even know. Like, you're doing great. You're doing great. (laughs) You just tried to kill yourself last week, but you're doing great. That is basically, like, somebody bluntly say that to somebody. Like, hey, I don't care that you cut yourself last week. I don't care that you hung yourself last week. You are doing great. I am proud of you. Like, it's weird. 
but I think that's about it. Like, when I'm talking about building up the negatives, I know your life is shit. I know that you are struggling, but I am proud of you. Like, for doing what you feel like you need to do, I am proud of you. And, like, that's about the extent of it. Just supporting what they're doing. Like, I don't want you to die. But if that's what you need to feel like you need to do, you do it. You be there, and you do what you need to do, and I am here, and I support you. They're probably going to look at you like you're fucked. <laughs> but I feel like if somebody said that to me, I probably wouldn't have done half the shit that I did. Sitting there and being like, don't kill yourself. Don't do this. Don't hurt yourself. You don't need to do that. There's no reason to do that. I don't want you to do that. It's not about you. And that was the biggest thing when I was like, I'm going to make this podcast. And I'm going to record this. And I'm going to tell the story. And then I'm like, motherfucker, it's not about you. It is not about you. This is what I was saying. Like, it's not my story to tell. No, I wanted to get it off my chest. But it's not about me. This is not about me. Like, this is about her doing what she needed to do. Or what she felt like she needed to do. And whether or not, wherever things go once they die, whatever you believe in, wherever the hell she is now... Whether or not she regrets her decision, I don't know. But, like, doing what you need to do is all we can do. Doing what we feel we need to do or what we feel is best is all that we can do. Every day we all make decisions. And we have to choose what we feel is best and right or what we need to do. And sometimes that decision is wrong. Sometimes that decision is right. And two people could be in the exact same decision or exact same situation and make two completely different decisions and both of those decisions be what works best and what is right for them. But we don't ever process life and death decisions like that. You making the decision what to have for dinner is the exact same decision on whether, like, of you making whether or not you're going to take drugs today. It's the exact same. It's the exact same. And I think we all need to start having that mindset of decisions and choices being all the same. Um, And this is why people talk about, you know, addiction being a disease. Like, yes, you chose to start doing whatever it is. But 95% of the time, people stumbled across something that they thought was going to make them feel better tried it it made them feel better so they kept doing it 
And then they continued to feel better. And so they thought they were making themselves better. And then at some point it catches up to them and they start feeling worse. But is that worse? Really worse than how they felt at the beginning? And no one can decide that for them. Because to be honest, these side effects of whatever the heck you're doing may not be worse than what you were feeling beforehand. And that is just the way that it is. That is the reality of the situation. It might hurt less to desperately need a fix than it did when you didn't take anything at all. And, you know, people talk about prescription medications and things, but they all have side effects too. I was, and I mean, we, me and Courtney touched on this a little bit um, in a previous podcast of where, you know, we've both been on meds that have made our conditions worse or have had serious side effects. For me, um, blackouts while driving, serious withdrawal symptoms from forgetting to take a single pill that landed me in the hospital on IV fluids and like withdrawal treatments from forgetting to take one pill. But yet we're told this is a better option than doing other things. Like it, there are drugs and there is drugs that are going to work for everybody like prescription drugs. Um, but we also forget that like MDMA used to be an extremely uh, popular antidepressant, anti-anxiety med. It was like the number one treatment for mental health and it works. It works great. I have done quite a bit of research with my, my college roommates were doing it while they were doing Molly in our bathroom. Um... But yeah, and um, it works. It it has been proven that like there is lots of research on the effects of it on mental health, but it's highly addictive. And when taken excessively, and I mean you need to take small doses. Like it is a it is a microdosing drug. Um, it's like half of a gram that you should be taking for, uh, like, street drug-wise, it's about a half of a gram, would be medicinal. Anything over that, you risk dehydration. Um, People who are taking multiple pills and then drinking um, are at an extremely high risk risk of, like, failure, like, like body failure, because they... um, it's beeping at me because I am at the end of my time. Um, but yeah, anyway, so it, it's got its risks, but properly dosed by a professional and followed could be safe. It's like them now microdo or practice or oh my god, study microdosing of shrooms, and you know we've now legalized marijuana. We're starting to realize that pharmaceuticals 
are just as dangerous as the street drugs that we're trying to cut off. Cocaine is an extremely effective anti-pain medication. Um, It's better and safer than morphine when dosed and followed properly, but it's highly addictive. And it is hard to control these things when you're prescribing out quantities of them to multiple people. Um, But anyway, I'm going to end this here. Um, Because I could talk, I could honestly rant about this forever. Um, But I hope that somebody hears this. And it either shifts your mindset, helps you cope, gives you some closure. Or if you're somebody who hears this and is in this mindset or in this spot... I know I can't help you, but we are here. And even if you want to just like lay it all out, I will be the person who tells you that I am proud of you. Because maybe that's the one thing that I never did. That's the probably the one thing that maybe I could have done that I never... I never once said I'm proud of you. And maybe that was all it was going to take. Because I don't know if anyone ever told her that they were proud of her. Because she did an amazing job with her children. And she did an amazing job keeping herself together for as long as she did. And maybe that's all she needed was somebody to say, I am proud of you.